Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour hurling ACA. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are on that. We're trying hard to make it true, but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. So I forgot to mention on last uh, Thursday's show that we have a live show tomorrow night in Liberty Hall. So we have Lark Corbett, we've JJ Delaney, we've Owen Larkin and Brian Gavin, and they're going to talk about the rivalry from 2009 until 2014. Basically those five years. And there's so many bloody incidents that happen in those games that I don't know how we're going to narrow it down. Dermot O'Sullivan, Charlie Carter and Derek McGrath then are on panel two that might focus a little bit on the match. But I suppose, Paddy Stapleton, I have to say, welcome back to the show. You've, 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 uh, we've missed you. Yeah, cheers, Willie. Yeah, I um, I've taken sabbatical there for a while. Work kind of gets in the way of the GA sometimes. <laughs> it definitely does. What's your standout memory? You obviously played in 09, 10 and 11, so you were stuck right in the middle of it. I'm talking about um, kind of, I, I know your standout memory is Lara Hattrick and stopping the five in a row and not <laughs> even going to say anything else. <laughs> yeah, after look, there's, there's a few, I suppose. 09, kind of going out into the field itself was, was really crazy. It's the first time in Cork Park at a full house and just the sound I, I'll never forget the sound as you jog it was kind of in and out waving up and down and that was that was that was a weird one and then I suppose 0-10 uh, I think the last five minutes looking down into the canal end was surreal because it was just like a cauldron down there and every ball was flying back down I remember Seamus Hennessy put over a great score uh, near the end and I kind of that's when I kind of knew we had it clinched and that was just crazy. even more so than lifting the trophy. That was kind of when you knew, you know, and, and it's been the next two weeks bloody waking up wondering did it actually happen. And um, But then there's bad memories too, you know. I remember Richie Hogan got a goal in 2011 and 
And I, I'd say I was a centimetre away from flicking it off as Hurley, and maybe I should have been able, but look, I didn't. And, and you know, without that goal, we played poorly, but maybe we would have kept it tighter, maybe made it tighter at the end. So lots of memories, a lot of good ones, and then obviously a few bad ones. Yeah, geez, I can only imagine what that feels like, Cheddar. We're sitting in here in the studio, you have uh, five, ten minutes left in an all earned final, and you can actually relax. I felt it in matches, but never in a match of that magnitude. There's not no better feeling in the world to know that you have it and you can enjoy this last five minutes. No, I definitely can't match that. I definitely can't match Paddy's experiences in that. Um, yeah, no, I, look, we can only second guess, um, you know, the feeling that would course through you, uh, you know, at that particular stage that, you know, you know the game, as you say, it really is in the bag. Um, you still have got to play out, but you're actually, you're enjoying playing out now the last five minutes. And it's not that often that happens, uh, you know, maybe in certain Latter-day All-Irelands All- anyway, that, you know, a lot of the games are quite close and it's just flat to the mat, even into overtime. You know, you simply cannot, you know, drop your guard here. But look, it must be the most wonderful feeling in the world, particularly for hurlers. Like, you know, I just keep going back to this. I think just the game means that little bit more to us all. <laughs> like that, sorry, sorry like. there, Wooly. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, here's a good one, Paddy. Noel McGrath, I was surprised at reading this. Noel McGrath's played in six All-Ireland finals. This one is going to be a seventh and he's never played anyone outside of Kilkenny. Isn't that crazy stuff? Unbelievable. I'd say, I'm sure I'm sure Paddy Maher, Brendan Maher, the very yeah, same. I was yeah. the same. I think I played five five against him as well or something like that. But that's, that's it and it's strange. It's very strange. And actually, if you probably looked at Galway, we probably played them a lot in semi-finals as well. So right. it's just the way it is. But it's strange the years that we were down, the years they were down, we were down as well, I suppose, as well. So I think it's kind of a lot of coincidence, or maybe it was a lot of they were winning Leinster and we were winning Munster as well. But uh, just kind of, I don't know, maybe it's fate. Yeah, maybe it is fate. Is that, cla- is that class of, was it, what? when were they all minors? 07, I think Sheedy had. 06, 07, 06, yeah, 06, and then 10, 10, they won the 21 with the seniors. So that was a serious, she's unbelievable. They hammered Galway, yeah, in the final. That was it. And they're still hanging around Cheddar, which is unreal for, in 2019. Yeah, no, I think, Paddy, actually, what's interesting about that is um, that, that, look, up to... Up to the to the present time, anyway, there's no real bitterness or meanness between the two counties. Um, and I can certainly remember that when it was a, a diff, very, very different rivalry. Um, and, you know, so that's interesting. You know, maybe just a modern game, modern society, and that that you know that sort of level of tribalism. I'll just call it or I'll categorize it. Uh, maybe isn't there anymore. But I, I just don't think it's down to the hurling now and down to you know the the, the, the I suppose the skills of the team in terms of winning the game. That sort of real uh, meanness. Doesn't doesn't appear to be there anymore in hurling. What do you, you don't live in hurling. You don't live in hurling. But no, I think you're. I think you're right. But I think, like we'd all meet each other, you know, and so you'd have heard stories. The business back then, I think, is there's no internet. There's not much television going on, and all you have is what you have around around you. So you're suspicious of any lad who isn't inside your own parish, really. And I think I think that kind of thing has gone away because now you have colleges and you're playing with lads and you're meeting lads all around the place it's social media you get to know people and I think that kind of tribalism as you said is gone but definitely the, the competitive nature is alive and well I know it, it is and I suppose it brings me back um, um, I certainly can't match uh, Paddy your experiences but I can go, go back a little bit further I suppose I think the first, first All-Ireland that I was at was 1971 with Kenny and Tipperary um, and if you just consider you know prior to that you know, there was there was a lot of bitterness between both counties. I think Kilkenny hadn't mm. beaten Tip for something like thirty years before before the sixty seven All Ireland. Um and I think, you know, um 
you, you know, they, they, they definitely wanted to do something like that. I think Father Tommy Marr coming into Kilkenny in the late 50s, early 60s, changed the Kilkenny style into a much more physical style, I think. Um, and there was probably a couple of incidents. There's a famous league final in 68. I think that there's um, a couple of pigs were still knocking around a paddle and clobbering somebody. There was a fair shamazzle in the square, I think. Um, and then there's probably the Tommy Welsh incident in the 67 All-Ireland, which probably led into the 71 All-Ireland. It was the first game I was at. Um, you know, it was just unbelievable. Um, tip came out on the right side of it obviously there was an awful lot of goals scored in that match actually there was a couple of other interesting uh, statistics in that match well, I think the final score was 5-17 to 5-14 so there was 10 goals but it was an 80 minute final I think it was the first time that an All-Ireland hurling final was was um, was broadcast in colour um, and there was a couple of other interesting parts about it as well uh, Babs threw off his boots in the second half um, oh, I think, that match, yeah. I think he played in his bare feet I only don't think he even played in his socks he scored 6 or 7 points by the way um, and, and I think he led I think he, he may have actually given given the final pass to Dinny Ryan for the, for the killing goal Incidentally, Wooly, that wasn't, it wasn't, I had seen that in the late 60s. I saw a minor final between Portis and Rat Downey, John Welsh threw off his boots. Bear in mind back then, you know, the boots were all, they were all leather hobnail boots. <laughs> you really. might be more comfortable without them. You might be more comfortable without them. But uh, just think for a minute, um, all of the safety legislation and regulations that's going around today, would you even be allowed out in the field in your bare feet anymore? But anyway, look, I'm, 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 I'm going back a little bit there. But I, I just, I suppose I'm just backing up that pint, Paddy, that, uh, you know, there was serious bitterness and meanness uh, Back then, in in some of those matches, there were some some serious hits uh, given and 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 taken. Obviously, that's just not there today. And and I, I take her point, Paddy, that a lot of it's probably to do. We look, everybody's playing one another in colleges now, so you certainly know one another an awful lot better than you would have had a you know a thirty forty years ago. I yeah. guess Paddy was one of the last throwbacks of that era, so he was one of the last. <laughs> oh, that's a tough one, Arna Wally. No Boris Lee player will go on with that. <laughs> no, wouldn't dream of it. Come here, we'll move on here to ticket prices because a lot of people are giving out about that. Um, Eddie Brennan was leading the charge and they're gone up to 90 euros, so they're gone up a tenner, which is a, which is a fair old um, hike in a year. And 10 years ago in 2009, it cost 70 euros. So that's a 28.5% increase in 10 years. Now, Paul Cody was tweeting about this. He's good when he gets his back up on Twitter, is Paul. Um, and he's saying, how can the GA justify an All-Ireland ticket for 90 euros in an amateur game? Family of four was spent 360. It's a very good point. Then he started doing his math. 72,000 seats by 90 and 10,000 Hill 16 tickets by 50. Um, comes out around 7 million. Now, that's not including the corporate boxes all around. So it'll come out more than that. And he, he is saying, do you know, that that's outrageous. It's hard to disagree with him, Cheddar. I know, I would disagree with Paul here. Um, well, he, um, I think there's a number, number of aspects that I would like to discuss. But look, the 90 euro, if you compare it with the entertainment and the skills value, um, you get in comparable games. Um, I just had a quick look before I come out. I mean, Ireland and England in rugby is 115. It's 150 for the premium. Uh, the Europe, Europa League final was 135 a couple of years ago with, with Porto and Brava or whoever else was playing in it. And I think, you know, what's coming up in a couple of years' time in the day or the, the uh, Ryder Cup is something like, I don't know, 130, 140 euro on the final day. And I would 
I wouldn't trade any of them for five minutes of an All-Ireland hurling final. So in terms of comparability, um, I think the prices stand up. And you, you need to look at it from an economic perspective as well. You know, is it keeping within within a rate of inflation and that? And I probably think it is. I have a couple of problems with it, though. And sorry, the other point I wanted to make is, you know, Paul and myself and a whole lot of other people are screaming at the GA looking for money for a promotion of development of games and so on, so on, so on. And look, where does the money come from? It doesn't grow on trees. Um, so I think we've got to be a little bit more realistic in the way we, we, we actually look at that. I have a couple of issues with it, though. And, you know, bear in mind, it didn't go up for 10 years. I think if the GA said, look, it's going up now, we're not going to put it up every year. We're not going to put it up again, actually, for five years. I think people would be happy enough with it. The one other little issue that I have with it, sorry, there's two other issues I have with it. Just, now, this could have been communicated well in advance. Maybe it was done last February or March. I don't know, but I certainly can't remember it. But just, you know, putting it out there before in All Ireland, I don't think is the right way to, to, to do your business. And the last point I'll make, and make on it is probably the most important point I want to make. Um, I, as far as I know, I stand corrected on this, I think it's €90 Euro for all seats in Krug Park, regardless of whether you're down in the front corner that you can hardly see the far end or not. And I, and I do think um, that, you know, they should look at maybe a tiered uh, pricing for, for tickets. Now, I would still only leave the, the, the best seats at €90. Euros. I, I would tear it down rather than tear it up uh, for certain seats. And I would also like to look at people who go to games regularly um, and look, considering all the communications that's there and all the technology that is there now. You go into Croke Park and your and your 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 ticket is is uh, you know it's 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 it, it, it's scanned you get, yeah, you it's scanned in somewhere or other anyway yeah. so the, all the technology is there to know that you've gone to all of the games uh, you know surely we can join up all the technology <coughs> and just say look this person or th- this family has been at every game let's give them priority I don't think it would be that hard to do you know it's, it's not easy but in with modern technology I don't think it would be hard to do so there are the points I'd like to make on <coughs> it Willie. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing Paddy like I mean when you go to the new camp and I've gone I'm you're choosing the tier that you want and I always go for the nosebleeds because it's a cheaper and I uh, like at Barcelona games it's never full so you can just walk down at half time but like I mean I'm not it, it, it would obviously be full it is strange that it's tiered number one it is strange that children are charged full whack when a family of four is 360 and that's before a train from Turles and that's before getting some food and feeding the four of them and that's before even thinking of getting a pint that night you'll have to go home because you'll be you'll have run out of money they're like I mean I don't know is this kind of our families being priced out of that day I think that's probably the biggest, most important aspect is they're not catered for at all. They're not even thought of. You know, families aren't thought of a bit. And like, it's the one, it's the one match of the whole year in Hurland football. The GA know they have everybody over a barrel. Okay, now I actually take, I, t- I think Cheddar is right. You know, the association isn't going to run on, on spring water. Like, you know, it's not going to happen. They have to, they have to generate the funds. This is the one where they can really, I suppose, milk it. Uh, and I don't down them for that, but it's the way they're going about it is a little bit kind of short-sighted in that these kids, like we want these kids involved in 10 years, 20 years time. We want them playing, we want them supporting, we want them administrating, whatever we want in clubs. And this is pushing them away. And I know, like I've actually talked to somebody this morning who has gone to every match, tip match this year on a bus with another crowd. And what they're doing now, instead of going to the match Sunday, the one they should all be at, they're, they're going to a local pub with the same bus full of people and they're going to watch it there and try and make the best of it. But really, you know, they should be there. And as Chidder said there, he said there should be a scan and there's all the technology to do it and there should be. And even, maybe even the worst seats in the house make a section there for, for family for family ones that have been there all year. Uh, yeah. You just have to look into it a little bit further than just, oh, 
90 euros per ticket. Because in fairness to the GA, for the All-Ireland final, tickets don't go on general sale, right? So it's all through the clubs. Isn't that right, Cheddar? Mm. Now, I think competing counties potentially should get more than they get. Would that be fair? I, I think, yeah, look, if you were in the competing counties, you would definitely say that, Willie. But um, it's a very, very difficult nut to crack here. Um, because you'll have a huge amount of people from, you know, you'll have people from Antrim and Derry who are as much interested in hurling as I am or as Paddy is um, and want to yeah. go to an All-Ireland. Um, and, you know, I've been at a number of All-Irelands, Paddy, when I'd say also I've seen, you know, families at it and, you know, you'd see small little sprats, four, five and six, uh, you know, and where it's great to ingrain them in the culture and all of that. But there's an awful lot of adults that went to an awful lot of match and matches and coached an awful lot of kids didn't have the chance to go to the All-Ireland then. Uh, look, it, it, it really... I. I would think, particularly where hurling has gone in the last couple of years, you could probably sell Croke Park twice over with adults alone um, if you marketed it right and all of those things. And it's a difficult one to crack. And I, and yeah. I just, I think the family is one. Um, look, I can certainly understand where where things are because you know, look, if if dad and mum is going to the match, well, look, if they're going to leave the kids at home, they're going to have to get babysitters mm. and all of that. And you know, there's there's knock-on effects to all of these things. And I feel fully understand that, but it is difficult to do. One final point on it, Willie, that I'd like to make. I think the funding that comes in for the All-Ireland, you know, the Leinster funding, Munster funding goes to Munster councils, the All-Ireland and All-Ireland semi-finals as far as I know might go to headquarters and funding. And quarters as well, and, yeah. And the, the revenue and then how, how that's paid out, um, you know, it's all covered in, in um, the GAA's annual accounts and all of that and I don't want to get into the depth in that because you need accountancy exper- expertise to do that but it's it's pretty well explained <laughs> and, and I think, you know, there may be some things that you might look around that you might sh- change some things around which will give you a little bit of you know leverage then to be able to change the pricing uh, the pricing but I do go back to that point I think you know paying 90 euros um, for a seat I don't know what the actual row is now but we'll say if you were on the very corner seat down beside Hill 16 um, yeah. versus being That's in the centre yeah. and the other side of that of course is if you're covered in you know it's surely it, it, it attracts um, you know a, a premium rather than just sitting out in the open air so I think it would be worthwhile looking at that but I would simply say that Top level, the top fee is 90 euros and you know let, let it cascade down from that yeah no that's fair enough I, it, it's definitely not an easy one to get right we know that from the conversation we're just after having I do take Cheddar's point Paddy about the family's like four year old child you know who doesn't have the attention span to be watching it is sitting in a seat kind of messing and playing is there, yeah. an, is there an age limit on children like from seven upwards that you know it's, it's def- it, there'll always be people giving out in the GEA it's never it's never it's, it's never going I do too will you right <laughs> See me on Twitter to be like, do you even like the GA? But I know, <laughs> but I do, you know, I have a glimpse, little glimpses of being up at matches in Croke Park when I was very, very young as well. So mm. I, I, I think you can sow seeds as well, but does it mean, you know, is that more important that somebody from a county will never be there getting to see it with the interest they have? I don't know. As you said, it's hard to yeah. track. But the only other point I'd make is uh, for 90 euros, if you're like, I'd pay more than 90 euros for a, you know, a really good seat at that. As, as Cheddar said, like the entertainment you get out of an All Ireland final, I've been at rugby matches and they're absolutely, uh, I'm not like other people who give out about rugby all the time, but they're actually worse to be at than they are to watch them on television. Yeah. Like they're really, really hard to be at. So, like, you're paying massive money for this, like an All Ireland Hurling final. I mean, that's semi final. How much would you have paid? Anybody coming out would have, it, would have said, I'd have paid double to get back in or treble. Yeah, so, no, that's true. And the other thing is, and the other thing is, this money generated, like, I've been up uh, kind of negotiating with GA a few years ago about better standards for inter-county players, um, maybe more tickets, more this, more that. That's all costing money. And I have to be fair to them, too, and say, well, they have to throw a lot of money into that. So, well, this, as I said, this is the time of the year they can actually charge 
a lot of money so I suppose it, it is going to go into the right places yeah no exactly and they, they do put it all back in or the majority of it back in either to games development or to actual facilities and stuff so it is hard to be critical of them I think there's career crit- critics of the GE out there who just do it all the time and I, I look to be honest I can see both sides but, of but this one there's one final point on that you know sometimes you go to an All-Ireland and you see some people that clearly don't have an involvement in the GA, you know and maybe very well be the the people that just go to an all early because it's the, the occasion to go to and look it's difficult to separate that you know they may very well be in as part of sponsors um, you know they may be well be media people that you're trying to influence or something like that so um, it's just difficult to manage and just satisfy everybody yeah okay so Eddie Brennan has been on about Brian Cody and his management style versus Liam Sheedy so Cody obviously played down his influence on the sideline like he's joking about saying I always feel helpless you're put there and you can pretend you have this huge influence on things it's all about what's happening on the field you can't go on the field I would never I would never have any sense of my absolute importance to the player on match day match days at all it is the importance of the players and what they bring you live and die by that I can probably see where he comes from Cheddar I'm sure as a manager like you can make some substitutions you have to trust their game intelligence and what they're going to do on the field and Brian Cody's lucky in that regard in that Kilkenny just through uh, tradition and through hurling brain and skill that they're able to figure some things out in the field as well. Uh, yeah, no, look, I, th- I think Brian was just given maybe a general comment, maybe to a general question there. There, there definitely is an awful lot more to it than that. And I would say that, you know, Brian wouldn't have had the success he had if it was that simplistic, I would think. Um, but I think there is certainly a, a lot of truth in what he says. Um Look, you, you need to have everything, you know, well, or your work is done beforehand, your whole uh, game planning, um, you know, in terms of the way that the game's going, to, the team's going to set up uh, the markers, the, the, the matchups, um, uh, your system of play, your changes in that system of play that you want to do to knock the opposition out. Um, you will probably do some what ifs on the opposition. So if they play this way, what are we going to do next? Um, and when you've all of that done, then you're looking down at, at each of the players. What's their role and do they fully understand it and, and and, you know, are there any more questions that need to be asked here? And when you follow that, then you look at your leadership in the player in, on the field, which you've probably been developing right throughout the course of the year. Um, so then, Brian's, you know, when you have all that work done, uh, well, then, look, the game should go for you. You're either good enough and the game should go for you. Um, and, you know, Brian has said before, and we've got to listen to him here because, you know, look, his record speaks for itself. He, I think he said somewhere previously that, you know, at best I have maybe 20 or 30 percent influence on the performance of the team. I would think if he took out the preparation out of that, I would believe that all right. Uh, but if you were to talk about the preparation, the way the team was set up and all of the things that that I've just explained there, well, then that's very, very different. Um, so I, I think um, what Brian says is true, uh, but he probably hasn't you know, incorporated into that all of the pre-planning that goes on beforehand. And if you were to do that, I think that would be a little bit different. I think... What's really important here is that if you have strong leaders and intelligent leaders who understand what's going on in the field, first of all, can communicate some things to you, but equally can make some decisions themselves. Well, look, that's gold us within a team. Not every team has it. No, definitely not. So Eddie Brennan was saying Brian drives the guys on. He pushes them. He forces them to figure things out. He wants you to be as good as you can be. And we know he has that kind of style. Henry Shefflin has spoken about how he ignored him. He was cutthroat with Tommy Walsh. He was cutthroat with Charlie Carter. Like, I mean, he doesn't... Uh I don't think he creates a very strong relationship. A bit like Jim Gavin, maybe. He's more standoffish where uh, those just, decisions are easier for I him. I might just come in on that, though. Like, you know, you've got to understand context here. Um, you know, Kilkenny are one of the top teams 
you know, would that management style work in Westmead, Carlow, Leash, Antrim? No. Well, look, so, so you've got to understand context here. There's a hurling history in Kilkenny of uh, players being the best, that the, 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 they want to be the best that they can be because they understand that that's the, 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 the way the Kilkenny machine works and has always worked. That's no different than going back to Father Tommy Marr and, and some previous people, Pat Henderson. You know, that's the way it has worked and it has served <laughs> them well. But it has served them well from within a, a certain context. You know, would that management style work in, as I said, in some of these counties? Well, look, that's open to the to debate. Um, so, so I, I think yeah, that you, needs you, you, you just cannot look at something that works in singular. Kilkenny. Yeah, it yeah. works in Kilkenny because Eddie's saying Liam has a different type of personality. He loves being in the middle of the lads. A come and do it, a come and do it with me approach. He would have a closer relationship with guys, more relaxed. That's his way of doing it. Though you have to bear in mind, Brian has been doing it for twenty seasons. Liam's only in his fourth year of intercounty management. So, Paddy, you were contributed to an RT, um, uh, an article on, R- on the, the RT website, and you were talking mm. about Liam. So, I suppose take it up from there. What, 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 what's Liam? He does strike me as a player's kind of man, kind of, a, a bit closer to the players. Yeah, I'd say I'd say he definitely is close to players, and there maybe be a group in there that he'd keep very close contact with. And they're probably, I wouldn't say they're on a peer level, but there isn't, you know, there isn't a massive barrier between Liam and the rest of them. But I think saying he's very relaxed, I actually wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have seen that too much <laughs> in there. I mean, he's very approachable and that, but certainly there's, an, there's a fair intensity that, I don't know if you get looking at him on Sunday game or any of that, you might on the sideline after seeing him after the Wexford match last day, but there is an unbelievable drive in him. Like, I would call him maybe just an ultimate alpha male. You know, right. he, he would stand up to anybody. You know, even if he was the smallest dog in the fight, he would stand up to anybody. Uh, and that's players, uh, you know, opposing managers. Like, even if you remember 08, the All-Ireland semi-final, he probably got too carried away. It was him against Davy Fitz on the sideline. And there was goals going in and the managers were celebrating and goals going in the other side. So I think he probably learned from that, but absolutely massive like that. Um, he's, he's very driven. Like I've heard a lot of people say to me, you know, was Aim Roche the brains behind Euro 10 and, and, and all around that time. And like, obviously Aim Roche Parliament is fantastic, but without Liam Sheedy, um, that type of strong-minded uh, attitude wouldn't have worked. And the fact that who we got in around him. Like, these things don't just happen now. There's 27 people in the backroom team and he's brought them all into a specific job now. And the one thing I'd say to you is he, he never thinks he's the smartest person there, but he'll get them all in. And he always makes it a closed group. So if you just say there's 40 players now and there's 27 backrooms, so there's 67 people involved with Tipperary. And you'd, you'd, you'd talk about Tipperary as as if there'd be things coming out of the camp and there hasn't been a peep this year that I've, I've heard. The only thing I heard was that coming up to the match against Wexford about two hours beforehand that Seamus can be able to play. And that is all I've heard. And that just shows how much he brings. As Eddie says, he's bringing everybody together. We're all going on the one mission. And he is a little bit like that. But I think um, he's a lot more than just a bit relaxed. You know, when he speaks, I mean, you, you'd hear a pin drop in the room and he just commands so much respect. Yeah, there's a steel to him. He's definitely, I take the alpha male thing, you know, like, I mean, and some people talk about the alpha male like that's a negative thing, you know, in the current kind of society. Mm. I don't know, that's almost like frowned upon, but like, I mean, that's, that's a compliment. Um, it yeah. definitely is, and toxic masculinity, they say, but it's just, it comes out of him. Even if, like, Liam was a good player, and, but he was over the minors in 06 and 07, and there's just something about him. You know, the crack, and there's just, some people when they walk into a room, they just have it, and he has it. Sorry, Twitter, 
no, no, I fully back up that, um, um, Paddy. Look, I, I think, first of all, that old type of autocratic manager um, where, you know, you're given some tasks to do and you do them right the way the manager says or, you, or you're, 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 you're for the high road and a sort of management through fear and sort of, you know, intimidating, intimidation really, I suppose. Um, I think that's well gone. It's gone well. It's well gone in all walks of life. Uh, Paddy, you even see it in schools. You, I don't know whether it's, whether it's right or wrong, but it's definitely gone. Um, it's definitely gone in business and all of that and it's much more um, you know a manager now is a visionary I suppose and, and um, you know he's much more caring and you know much trusts his players uh, much more um, and I suppose if I was to just put it into one word um, you know I think that that type of manager has a sort of a growth uh, mindset for their players or a developing mindset for their players and then bring it all together into into a team environment um, I think that's very different and I, I'm not too sure that there's any of the old style managers out there you know and you know I've heard and seen um, you know some articles written around Brian you know Brian, Brian what what Brian's day job was ended up the principal um, in a school and look the same thing applies here um, you know you're trying to motivate uh, people to be the best that they can be you know there's a whole pile of literature written written around this motivation in work and all of that or about reaching your true potential and all of those things it's the very same thing that's going on here develop the player to be the very best that he can be and that's everything it's him as a human being as well as everything else um, and then I suppose it's empowering him to, to do that so you know you've got to take players uh, views on board at the end of the day they're the people that see it first on the field and they probably feel it the most and you know you've got to take their views on board and give them some ownership of the game plan and all of those things and then pull it all together and I'm really um, I I go back to the point you say uh, Paddy um, you know the selection of your management team needs to reflect you know your vision of where the team is going to go and all of those things that they've got to be key people in their own area and I'll finish with one final sentence um, because the other probably one of the greatest managers might have been Ferguson and he said he said but you are always the manager and you can just second guess uh, you know so in other words he's making the point that you made about um, about Liam look he's firm um, you know don't cross the line here you know where the line is but he is firm in that so you're always the manager yeah I think if you command respect that's not something you learn yes. you either have yes. that or you don't and Absolutely Liam Sheedy great. seems to have well, it well, 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 well you earn it you don't have it you earn it and you have to show the players that you earn it but of course respect is a two way street um, you know it has to come it has to go both sides yeah exactly a good one Paddy in that article as well on the RT website was prior to the All-Ireland f- semi-final against Waterford in 2010 Sheedy refused to name check John Milan often a thorn in the Tipperary side referring to the corner forward by the colour of his helmet is this is this one true it's a good that, one that's true yeah no <laughs> honest to God in three years there I don't think he ever name checked any player really after, or two three years there. He ne- I swear he never that was the only time I've ever heard him talk about men marking anybody and he, he referred you actually it was funny I was injured we, the hammer by Cork fine I got injured before the Wexford match and couldn't play that was grand then we were time to play Offaly and he brought me back into the team for that and after that game I think he played Galway blah 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 was going along and um, before we played Watford we, we had a challenge match against Galway under 21 and he put me in full back in that match and just so happened I, I thought afterwards did, did, did he tell the Galway under 21 but there was a, red, a small head with a red helmet playing full forward so I was, uh, but after the match, he, he, he never even really said it in so many words that you know why you're playing full back now. I said, yeah, there's a lad with a red helmet and you'll be on him. And, that's, and that was it. That was absolutely it. There was no building him up. It was all about, in my, my opinion, it was all about we build up my players. These lads have to think about themselves. I have to build up them. I'm not going to build up 
you know, Henry Shefflin playing against Kilkenny. I'm not going to build up, you know, Ken McGrath playing against Watford. I'm going to make the best out of my players and instead of said, make them the best that they can be because the one thing I can always remember Liam saying was, it's all about what we have in our room. And that's it. And to be fair, he lived it. He absolutely lived that. And I can, I can honestly say that was the one time I could ever hear him say anything in a meeting or anything individually to anybody to pick up a specific player. He just wanted us to be our best and he thought that would be good enough. Yeah, geez, I think that's a good one though, Cheddar, right? So instead of making a hero at Milan, saying Milan this, Milan that, and almost create a fear factor around Milan or any player, just completely make him another player and the, the lad with the red hat, the lad with the red helmet. I can see the logic behind that uh, or the no, psychology behind it. No, I definitely can. You can't overbuild um, um, players because, you know, otherwise not, what are you saying to the person you're sending out to mark him? Look, you're not able to mark him. Paddy, I wonder what, if Milan came out with a yellow helmet the next day, what would you do? <laughs> <laughs> Well, if it was me, I would have ran the other way to tell Ed with a red helmet because I know it happened to me that day with the red helmet. <laughs> As the lad said, I, I should have been put off or taken off. So. <laughs> Right, okay. Listen, that's a good one, though, I have to say. So it is going to be an interesting one, Sheedy versus Cody, because, yes. again, it's one all yes. between the two of them, right? Oh, nine, yeah. ten, and then Sheedy mm. left, and that was it. So this is the best of three, <laughs> winner takes all on Sunday. Just one other quick one, and we've spoken about this before. There's nothing new in this. I just read it um, in that article, and I thought it was interesting, that the average age of Cody's first All-Ireland winning team in 99 was 25.8, right? So it's six months younger than the team that beat Limerick the last time. So you're not talking about a, an older squad. It was a very similar um, age profile. In that loss in 1999, the starting team had two students and not one teacher. So it had builders and it had farmers and it had electricians and it had all different uh, trades and, you know, farmers and stuff like this. The starting 11 against Limerick had 10 players that were either students or teachers. So that unreal, 10 years. So I don't know if it's a changing society, Cheddar, or is it a changing demands on players? We've spoken about this. A lot of players now at intercounty level are students or teachers and they're choosing those careers because... If the summer's off, look at Paddy. He's got the feet up here. I'm not sure if that... I wouldn't say at that time, Paddy, that came into your thinking, but do you see it maybe even in the classroom? I do. Like, I mean, I certainly see it from club players, young club players, young county players. Um, but I think a lot of what it has to do with is, you know, when you're choosing your career, you're hoping to choose a passion. But I think at that age, a lot of kids, just their passion is hurling. Like, you're so narrow-minded. I was so narrow-minded. Like, I went straight, actually, into the civil service. That's how narrow-minded I was. And I t- don't talk to anybody uh, who was working with me because I did very little, only daydream about hurling. And when you just had that passion, um, that's all you could see. So I know that they're saying, a lot of them are saying, well, I'll do the teaching. It'll be handy for the hurling. And that's, that's a lot of the reason they're choosing it. Um, and they don't know. So when you're 17 or 18, like, I'd say the majority of people, certainly boys, young, young fellas with ideas in their head, they don't know what is going to suit them for the rest of their life. So I think that's more the thing that it is, that they literally don't know. But so, right, my passion is hurling and I'm going to facilitate that with teachers. Yeah, that seems to be the way, um, Cheddar. Yes, no, I'd say there is a little bit of that in the uh, Paddy, all right, but there is a serious change. I think uh, there were some statistics maybe 10 years ago that um, I think primary school teachers maybe more now than, than secondary were something like 95% female. I think that statistic has changed around a fair little bit. Um, well, look, it would be very interesting, Paddy, if it was to do with that, that, you know, it facilitated, you know, your your, your earlier part of your hurling career and that. Um, I, I think it might have something to do with something a little different, though, um, and Paddy, I'll let you explain uh, the handy job that teachers have um, at the minute. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> 
But anyway, no, look, it is interesting. And, um, you know, I've seen that actually recently. But and it's and perfect, though, Cheddar, for I, the I, summer. You've recovered. You're a professional athlete all summer. No, you are. And, and I think th- there's another part to it as well. It would be brilliant if that's the case, because it, it certainly would have a serious difference in a school. Um, and look, we know this, um, that, you know, Kilkenny have been looking at this for a long, long time back. They absolutely make sure that, you know, there are certain teachers in the school, whether they're male or female, that are going to give the right leadership, I suppose, for hurling within that school, in all of their schools. And, you know, it has obviously stood them in, in, in good stead. Just back to your initial point, uh, Woolley, um, look, it is difficult to break into Kilkenny or Tipperary. You know, age is not the issue. And look, the, the, one, who, the, 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 one of the best players that's going to be playing next Sunday didn't break into the Kilkenny team until he was 24, 25, TJ. Who would have thought it now that, that you know, five, six years ago he was considering just giving up the game because he couldn't just, just get on the team? Um, so th- th- that's, you know, that's what Tipperary, Galway, Cork... Um, and Kilkenny have, you know, they have a, a big volume of high quality players and the competition for place, places is absolutely savage. And th- that's why it makes it a little bit easier for Brian to manage the way he does, um, because that simple competition for places and the competition in the training, uh, just, you know, it, everybody has to reach a, side, a high standard. You have to, or, you're, you're, you know, you can close the door from the outside and go home. And, and that has happened. You know, we've seen that happening with some very, very skillful players. So the savage competition in the dressing room, just to get grab a panel jersey next Sunday, is, is brutal in Tipperary and in Kilkenny in both counties. And that in itself, you know, what more, what more would you want? Yeah, no, exactly. Right, listen, we've we've done enough on the top of the show, lads. We'll talk about the match um, next. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up now because <laughs> there's no such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. Um, but well, you didn't let Shamey talk at a, at a hurley launch one day. Yeah, but hold on a second now. He was at a hurley launch, you know. Yeah, you know, I, there's I, a media I, ban if he can't no, talk no, at that. No, absolutely not. I think you guys need to do your job. Don't depend on us guys for quotes. You know. Okay. Go ahead. Earn your living like the rest of us. But if he's at a media day and he says to the media that I'm not allowed to talk, then yeah. he's obviously on a ban. Well, I think he's carrying a mixed message. I was reading Cyril Farrell um, in The Independent and he was saying after the more tactical finals of 17 and 18, we're going to get a more traditional game this time. And it made me kind of think, um, Paddy, and it's, this is the same as Gaelic football. Def- teams that play a defensive uh, kind of tactics are called tactical teams and teams that play offensive tactics are just playing, you know, traditional brand. They're, they're, it's, nev- it's never see- you, it's, it's almost impossible that you can have a tactic that's an attacking one. They all have to be defensive ones or else they're not a, ta- or they're not a tactic. Yeah, I know. I think it's a, you know, I think it gets lost in the language a little bit that people just talk in a in a particular way. Like, but I mean, I'm watching Wexford last day. Everyone talks about defensive structures. I thought it was the most offensive first half I've seen off a Davy Fitz team in in an awfully long time. So I think that's poor talk. The, the match next day, traditionally, it is traditional. As in, look, you will you will to look at it, you know, to the naked eye, maybe. The untaught eye, it looks like six on six both sides of the field. But look, like any good team, like the really, really good teams can organically defend as a unit and go forward as a unit. And I think that's what you're seeing. I think that's what Tip and Kilkenny have tried to do over the last 10 years. But certainly, like, I mean, Paddy Maher has been playing centre-back, but he's been playing a very, very deep line centre-back um, over, over the last 
five, four or five months. So um, I think there's a lot more tactics coming in. And I think even what I said about not name-checking players, I think that has come into it. And I think you've seen Tip have done matchups a lot more this year because yeah. teams are just so much better to kick each other out that you can't judge. You need maybe a, fa- a fast lad, you need a fast lad on him, or a big lad, you might need a big lad on him. So there is a little bit more tactics that, what, that than was going in before. I do. I was going to mention that to you just based on what Liam Sheedy was like in 09 and 10 maybe with you, like Brendan Maher, Mark and Galan. Mm. That wouldn't have happened in 09. Do you know what I mean? Now Liam Sheedy's mm. obviously evolved that side of it. Uh, he has, like even Rowan O'Mara going back on, on Conor McDonnell and Conor McDonnell is as good in the air as a forward as, as is in the game and, you know, they had somebody to go back on him. So I think, uh, you know, Rory O'Connor, Brendan Maher on him the last day knew that he had legs. Like, you could have a great player on a Rory O'Connor, but just the fact that he's so much legs and the fact that Wexford would pick players out, it's not a shot into nothing. It's not a, you know, hopeful ball into Fordland. It's directed at him and they're going to get his pace into the game that, okay, we do need a flyer on him and we need a lad who's going to be very, very tough. So uh, it's very smart stuff, really. And I think early in the year, Tipperary were experimenting in the league. They were switching lads in different positions. Uh, Rowan Meher was playing harder back at times. I'd say the public were wondering what's going on here at all. But now we see it coming to fruition in the semi-final and maybe in the final. Yeah, you see, when I see traditional hurling, I think of like Ken McGrath, Tommy Walsh throwing it up and winning a great mm. catch and then throwing it up over their shoulder, Cheddar, not looking but clearing it down the field. Like, I mean, you won't see any of that, I'd imagine. Definitely not from Tipperary. You might see the odd clearance from, uh, the odd clearance from Kilkenny. So I don't know, is it even traditional hurling? It's, it's still modern hurling, it's, you know. Mm. Uh, I think there's a, a premium now on, on possession of the ball and use of the ball that may not have been there previously. Um, but, you know, I just keep going back though well, it all depends on the resources you have um, if you have catchers in the forward line well look you can lash it up the field and you're going to get a very very high percentage of those and then work off the work work from there if you don't have that you simply kind of put it in high you've got to put it into space um, so I think when you see all of the teams the management teams and particularly the coaching people in those teams are really looking at you know and this is going back to what Paddy said about Liam, maximising the strengths that you have in your dressing room and, you know, hoping that that's enough to, to cause, you know, enough problems for the opposition. Of course, you need little tweaks and that as you go through the matches and that as well. Um, but I, I think, Paddy, what's, what, you know, you mentioned something there. I think the matchups on Sunday, by the way, I completely disagree with Cyril Farrell. Um, this game may start traditional, but I can tell you it'll be hugely, hugely tactical. And I would suggest that the reaction to what's in front of them by both managers will probably determine the winners of the game. Um, so so I, I think what Paddy alluded to earlier on in terms of matchups is, you know, it's crucial for for Sunday as well. You know, who's going to take um, who's going to take Colin Fenley, for example? Well, you that's, know? that's a big one. Is Barry James Barry going to come back well, to mark him? And he's a good well, matchup. Well, for to him. be honest with you, he actually is a good matchup for him. And you know, I'd have been a little bit critical. I hate being critical of players, but I've been a little critical of James at different times because when teams open up space inside, um, then James trailers player players out to the ball, and he's in a little bit of trouble. And but this is a different game. You know, Colin Fenley hasn't left the the, the large square most of the time a very very incredibly strong player you know much more than what he actually looks um, and you know so is James Barry will James Barry come back full back and take it on of course then if Kenny change it up and do something different then you're back to where you were again so I think there's the, even the starting matchups will be hugely important and I think there's one other thing that that we might refer to later on what both half forward lines do I think will determine you know how tactical and the reaction to the tactical that's going to be needed um, and I think 
it'll be really interesting from both managements how they start. Will they try something at the start to throw out the other team? Because both of them are broadly similar. Looking, looking, how how is it going to play out? Well, if you look at the semi-finals, you know both of them will withdraw their half-hour line for different reasons. People would withdraw theirs to be able to shoot from distance because they've got real class forwards to do that. So they need a little bit more space to do that. Um, uh, Kenny will withdraw John Donnelly and Walter to mark that type of player they did, they did against Limerick it, it was very very successful for them TJ plays that sort of role most of the time anyway if he's at 11 he plays out the field and then he, he drifts you know he drifts in behind the half back line so I think how both teams set up their half hour line what they do will be hugely important and of course there's other consequences to that because that releases now your half back line so who's the best dis- distributors of, of on the half back line you would probably say a tip at the minute Yeah well you say Paddy Myers definitely a good uh, the, the best distributor I was looking at some matchups number one Paddy the James Barry thing and number two I was looking at Cottle Barrett will take up Mullen Brendan Maher will take up Walter Walsh and I think Heffernan might follow TJ just say don't, t- don't hurl any balls just follow him around the field yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether I have a view over Tipperary now on Sunday. Thank God. No, I'm on. Listen, <laughs> I'm 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 only an just throwing this out there. No, I I I I I um I applaud that you give it your best. Okay, so <laughs> I don't see it. I know because I, I couldn't give my best to the football. If you heard me on about the football, you'd tell me hang up. But no, no. Look, some of it. Yeah, fair enough. I think. Personally, I think the two biggest ones you have to be matching up is Callum Fenley and uh, TJ Reid. I think. I think. I think. Um, Rona Maher will stay full back. I think we're looking for that mixture in our back line over the last six months. And Ronan looked just unbelievably assured there. And full back and centre back are so important. I think TJ Reid will be picked up by Brendan Maher. Um, I think Ronan, are, you know, Barry is, I'd say, brilliant the last day. And Barry actually probably wouldn't be known as a marker before Sheedy guys handed him. So it shows what great coaching is going on inside. But I think he's too important. Brendan has man-marked all year. He can play centre-back as well. He can mark and he can strike ball. He can balk a player if he needs to, or he can run with him. He can, you know, and TJ, if TJ isn't stopped in some capacity, now you're, gonna, you're not going to stop him the whole match, but if he's not in some way balked and gone with, then I think, you know, Tipperary would be in a, a lot of trouble. And also, Paddy Maher has the ability to play at the wing, who I would think maybe would feed into him marking Walter Walsh then, oh, because, yeah. you know, size-wise, he's, he's something similar to him. So I'd say kind of working like that. And the other thing I'm wondering is, Mullen moves. So Mullen isn't going to stay as a corner forward. He's absolutely fantastic at it. So he's there and he's moving out. So I'm wondering, is that the role that Barry Heffern, if he's playing, is going to be given in that that's what he did the last day, cornerback but coming out the field? And would they prefer to keep Kyle Barrett inside uh, along with you know Colin Fennelly's in there, has great pace and strength? And maybe it's that option to keep him in beside the goals because a lot of teams like to bring Kyle Barrett out away from uh, away from his own goal uh, to exploit a bit of space. So I'm wondering could it pan out maybe a little bit more like that? Right. Okay. So Kyle Barrett might take up Richie Hogan then, who might be in and around that that area. He'd be out as well. Uh, his uh, Paddy's matchups make much more sense to me. Obviously, Brendan Mar- uh, marked all the danger men. So the obvious thing then is he will take up TJ. Cheddar. Yeah. No. No. I agree. Actually, I agree with. Um with Paddy there, um, I'm not so sure actually that uh, the, that um, uh, Paddy or Parry will be moved out centre back. Actually, they may look at a different plan of managing 
um, TJ, you know, maybe it's a midfielder handles him when he's out in the middle of the field and then he hands him over to Paddy once he goes through the half-back line. I think Paddy's sort of important in terms of distribution of, of ball and that. Um, and, you know, so where would, where does Seamus Kennedy or Kennedy fit into it then, I wonder. Um, but but I, I think, actually, Paddy, what will be really interesting is, um, you know, if you look at, at what Kenny, if you look at what Tipperary do, if Tipperary play Niall O'Mara, Noel McGrath and John O'Dwyer on the half-forward line, they don't want to be caught up with um, with kind of, with <coughs> with Conor Fogarty, Parik Welch, or Paddy Deegan, or maybe it might be might be Buckley, might be being back. They don't want to be caught in in that where they're sort of tied down. So if they're pulled back the field a little bit, and they, and you know they've proved this the last day. Look, their shooting range is anywhere from midfield in, particularly starting off. Um, so they shoot from distance, but they're also galloping in then to link up with Jamie Callan and and and, and with John McGrath and Jason Ford inside. That's difficult to mark because I think Kenny will have learned a lot from 2016. They will not let their half-back line step out the field again yeah. and leave a lot of space in front of that full forward line. You simply can't. So so if that happens, um, then... So if, if the tip half-hour line steps out the field, that means that the the uh, Kilkenny half-hour line, well, particularly the two wingmen, are going to have to step up the field. And if you look at the last day... We'll say you know, Limerick were taking their players well out the field. That's the way they play. Walter was a, was past midfield most of the time. So was John yeah. Donnelly. When you look at some of the challenges in the shoulders that he threw in, they were outside midfield. But when you do that, you know, Walter's a very accurate player and scores a lot, but rarely scores out the field. It's nearly always with inside of 45. John Donnelly is the same. So their threat out the field for scoring is much less. And I think Lee might yeah. look at that and he might say, well, look, on the risk here, um, my men are going to score from distance if they find space. Um, but I'm not so sure about Kenny. So leave Walter and, 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 and leave uh, John come out here. I, you know, once my players get a, get a, a ball here, maybe a little pass into open space, they'll still pop, pop the pint. And I just think that the advantage is with Tip in all of these moves because when you do that, now your half-back line is free. So if you were working the ball through the hands out to the half-back line, you give it to Paddy or you give it to Barry Heffernan, um, you know, their ability to ping a telling pass up the field is probably maybe more so than Parg or Paddy Deegan. They just, they, you know, they, they, they let it go maybe a little bit quicker rather than rather than with precision. Um, so I think that's, you know, I, I, that's, they're the parts I'm really interested in looking. And I'm just wondering, can either team sort of bring in a key sort of game changer to just to shift the emphasis away from that and I'm, I'm probably looking at that you know the two midfielders are going to cancel one another out both of them are savage working midfielders great athleticism um, and you know will really go at it but you know they may very well just cancel one another out and there may not be a huge amount of midfield play because of the quality of the players that's there Yeah What do you think of that half forward line thing Paddy and do you think Bubbles will even be in the half forward line because did Wexford expose a little bit of a weakness in his game for work rate do you think you could see him in the full forward line? I would have thought he'd be on the inside line myself um, and I think what you're also doing by having him on the inside line is you could end up creating mismatches in there um, and that maybe his influence wouldn't be as much out the field but he could really against this full back line not that they're a bad full back line or anything but there's inexperience in there and there could be doubt if, if it became a little bit open in there um, and if Shaney started to move away from the square which uh, I, I would envisage him doing and bringing Hugh Lawler into places he doesn't want to be mm-hmm. um, and creating those mismatches and that feeds in as well to what Cheddar is saying I would imagine Tip are going to go well out the field uh, and match Kilkenny in that and I think it's actually feeding more to Tipperary's strength than playing a Wexford or playing a Limerick yeah, um, I think that's a good point, Shadow. Like yeah. They're like the Dan McCormack, like the Bill O'Mara. Like Bill O'Mara is, is a lot stronger than he looks. 
and obviously so is Dan McCormack and they've been playing roles of are we marking half backs uh, are we pulled enough out the field to protect our back line whereas now the next day it probably feeds into the traditional element a bit more in that the ball will be flying into the mixer just that little bit more especially Kilkenny they force you into that game the other thing is I think Kilkenny um, came very far out to field like Walter Walsh was under puck up the last day that's how far out he came but as Cheddar said the, the thing there is if they win him have men back to protect the inside area and if Tipperary then Tipperary's biggest thing they need to do in that situation is okay the first 10, 15, 20 minutes you could have to take the ball long and long because there would be a lot of pressure but when the time comes to keep your composure uh, they need to put the ball through the hands Limerick got a little bit spooked early on I don't blame him it happened me, me and us in 2011 we got such a rough start to Kenny just tore into us that we didn't get our composure back probably all game and Tip hopefully have the experience to say, hold on now, lads, the game's after coming down, let's put the ball through the hands, let's get it to the man in the best position, and then I hope they did open the game up a little bit after that. But um, it's, Kilkenny have rediscovered that work rate or last game and a half, I would say, that got them so far before, and just Tip have to take that on. But the more they draw numbers into that, I think the better for them. I think Cheddar is right with that. That's a good point, actually, Paddy's after making their Cheddar, that for the first 10 minutes, while it's frenzied and Kilkenny are tearing in, let it off long. Don't be afraid. Don't get caught. Because that's probably where Limerick, they're so predictable in their short game that Kilkenny could have really identify nailing that. Yeah, it's, it, look, it's a little bit risky. I'd, I'd probably say that, look, if I had the confidence to play it through the hands, I'd do it from the start. Um, so it needs to be manic in terms of the contested ball. And then when you have the ball in your hand, you, you need composure. And Paddy has explained that well there. Um, so, you look, if you have the players to play that, uh, why not move Kenny's backs around the field by using the ball and using your own mobility in the forward line? And look, Tip have incredible forwards here. But I think the absolute crucial point to the whole winning of the game for Sunday is what is what Paddy has explained here. When you and that's even just looking at this year's. This is not looking at you know what Paddy explained with previous games with Tip and Kilkenny. This year, when Kilkenny have won matches, they have played right in the face of teams that has been you know very very intense. Not a thing wrong with it, um, and. You could say that over the course of a game, they've simply worn down the other team. They've simply worn down their game plan. And, you know, teams then, then the game gets a little bit frantic. And I, I, I remember it was Carr Healy said this to me first when we were looking back, it might have been the week after the Kilkenny-Dublin game in Nolan Park. And look, Dublin were in the driving seat for the course of that game. Kilkenny were relentless, relentless. They never gave up. They were in the face the whole time, fighting for absolutely everything. And then 15 minutes from the end, the game opened up a little bit. Dublin lost their way of playing and Kilkenny went on and won the match. And it seems to be, a, a, you know, a sort of, um, you know, the, the way things have panned out for them in, in a number of games this year they are very very intense very very intense in the breaking ball in the tackling in the contested ball in the air game and everything and over a period of the time they simply knock you out of your stride and then they have the ability themselves in that type of game to go on and win the game and I, I think you know, Tip have been, there have been a couple of games, Paddy, I don't know whether you agree with me or not, when they didn't really, I suppose, you know, step up to that physicality play, that intensity play. And if they don't do that on, on Sunday, you know, Kilkenny will wear down Tip. And if they do, Kilkenny will go on and win the match. And I think it's, it's there that the match will really be lost or won by Tip. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, like the way I put it, if Tip blink for one second against Kilkenny, the match will actually just be gone. And the start of the match... And that 10 minutes after halftime where they blew Cork away, where they, Limerick looked like they were coming back into it, 
and they kicked him at arm's length after half time and then they rode the match to the end and even I remember 2014 playing them the replay first 10 minutes of the second half they just they suck everybody back um, and they let you puck it down and they just swarm the ball and then they get their few scores and they, sit, they actually sit back you know tactically as they say they don't do but they sit back and they're dead right to do it and Tip needs to be very very aware of that but if any player says they're thinking about themselves start feeling sorry for themselves I'm a bit tired or I haven't got a score yet or my man has got a score I think that's when the game will be over and I would hope I would see Liam as the man that, that would not let that happen you know Right Okay so say so here Paddy when, when Dan McCormack and Niall O'Mara are dropping deep into midfield that's grand they can't be followed like because the 2016 final Canlon got 13 7 of them were from uh, from play 6 of them were from play John Bubbles got 1-5 uh, 1-4 from play uh, John McGrath got one three from play. Like I mean, that can destroy Kilkenny. So even more so than Limerick, where they left their half back line, you know, in position a little bit more. Surely that's what Kilkenny are going. Anyone that says this isn't going to be a tactical game is crazy. Like I mean, it's, like, Kilkenny, Kilkenny have to leave those two lads back. Or if they don't, it's a tactical, a huge tactical mistake. But that's all what happens then. So this is so we're talking about that tactic, but it's after that tactic. Like so, the tactics are set. But then the war goes on and it's, it's, then it comes down to competitive nature. Then it comes down to the savagery and who actually then wins that battle around the middle. And whoever wins that battle around the middle, they're damn right their half-back line is going to have to move up the field. Right. Because if Limerick had a, got a few more balls to around the middle of the field, uh, their touch was a little better, they fumbled a few balls and they started supplying a few more balls in, then we would have seen a different Kilkenny. Like we even, I saw the reverse angle from the, behind the goal. Kilkenny were sitting two, if not three, in their half back line, and a few balls were just being were just being passed out, and it been fumbled. Our great workers from Kilkenny, and it just allowed them to sit back and provide that cover. And again, both teams have set out their tactic. You're to sit in your half back line, or you're to sit in your half back line. And whichever team is winning that battle, uh, you, unfortunately, you won't be able to stay there for long if the ball keeps coming in. Yeah, so it'll gas. It'll actually be Dan McCormack, Cheddar, and O'Mara versus Walter and Donnelly. That's going. To yeah, I, 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 I don't know whether uh, actually and Paddy be obviously much closer to, than I will, but I, I actually think that uh, Dan and Michael Breen might actually start in the middle of the field. All oh, right, uh, you, uh, oh, you you think Noel McGrath? You think shooters will be in the I cl- think shoot, temporary shoot, half forward? Well, look, you'll be trying to get your shooter free. Um, you know, will Noel McGrath want to be eaten up by Connor Brown or, or Connor Fogarty or, 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 or Buckley? You know, Connor Brown and Connor Fogarty are very, very intense, very, very aggressive players. And, uh, you know, will you want to get your main shooter wrapped up in that type of game or will you want him to be maybe a little bit more free? And if you look at Parik Welch, um, look, he, he's not going, he can't leave six, he can't drift off out the field and follow Noel. So you, automatically now you t- t- or, or Kilkenny have a problem. How do we handle this? Mm, and, and I suppose that's the, you know and the very same with bubbles like you play bubbles um, you know out near the midfield line and you're a wing back and you drift out 20 metres you're gone too far Parig will put the ball across field over your head and now that's coming in on the floor into the likes of, of John McGrath look sure that's that's just manner for him he'll be just scoring pints all day and the same with Jason Ford He's, you know I think Paddy that you have probably and look I'm saying that when I'm looking at the likes of Adrian Mullen and Richie Hogan on the other side there are some mm. serious forwards here and how you screen your backs here is crucial you cannot leave space here because you will be hurt and hurt badly if you do that um, so I, I think 
you know, it may not be a defensive as in a sweep or something like that, but it won't surprise me either. And I suppose that's what I was just saying, Paddy, in terms of looking at a, ga- a key game changer. Will somebody look for a different formation in the forwards, maybe look for a 2-1-2, two, a two, uh, two-half forward line, a man in the middle and, we'll say, two full forwards and just use yeah. a player then as a third midfielder, defensive screen in front of centre-back to allow Paddy to drop uh, back to the to this half-circle. I think that's interesting for Tip in that James Callan has been playing in and out all year. So he sometimes spent time inside, sometimes spent time out. And what I was thinking to myself is, OK, you have a man playing his first All-Ireland final on a marquee forward. Uh, it's a stressful enough playing an All-Ireland final in your first year anyway. But now you're on one of the best forwards in the game. And will he be the man? OK, spend some time inside and challenge him inside, but is he going to bring him out the field then? And as you say, you can push your centre forward, whoever that may be, out, and then your midfielders can sit. So I wholeheartedly agree with you, though. Whoever gets to sit that bit more will condense the space and they'll be able to release their forwards but um, it's just going to be a lot of this is how it organically works on the day then because that mightn't be working at all that could be Kilkenny just able to push right back up the field and, and kind of hammer you back into your back line so it just depends again when the tactics are set if we're able to get the ball through the hands if Tiberi can and pop it into place, or then if we're convinced, our Kilkenny has to keep us there with their work rate that they did the last day. Um, so I, I just think it's very interesting. We won't know until we see the sort of work that Tipper able to do. And I get what you're saying, Norm McGraven as a centre forward or wherever. But I think those players, those five players on both teams, midfielders and half forwards, they're going to spend so much time out the field that you might know who is playing in what of a position. So I'm not sure. It's entirely, you know, it's going to be all that entirely important who they are. They'll be trying to get Norman McGrath free anyway uh, and somebody on to mark him, but um, possibly in centre-forward could be one you know, Sheedy did it years ago as opposed against Brick against Watford. Yeah, no, and like Darry Egan was interviewed during the week, he's a select, uh, tip selector and he's goalkeeping coach and he was asked about the Tipperary style and he says, I don't think there's a definition but movement plays a big part in it and ball playing ability. So the movement thing, and Paddy's touched on that, about the forwards rotate a lot and they move around and I don't think any of them will stay, like Callan could go centre forward, Bubbles can come in and out and they keep you guessing and that's the question then should Hugh Lawler hold a full back position and not be dragged somewhere he's less caught although he's played wing back for Lachlan Gales I reckon he wouldn't be that uncomfortable in the half back line but when forwards are rotating around is the good idea to follow them or to hold your position and let the other leg come down to you and back every defender you have to be able to take on the you know the their direct opponent I think it think depends on the resources you have, Willie. Look, generally speaking, backs hand over forwards like that to one another. And, you know, they have a, they have a good plan of hand over like that. Um, but I, I think what we're saying is a little bit different. Uh, Hugh is now going to start a, a, as a full back, but probably maybe 30 metres out in front of the goal. He's going to be between where normally three and six would be. Um, and, you know, that's a very different area now because you are now going to be defending running towards your own goal most of the time. You know, defenders like to keep the man and the ball in front of him. Um, you know, so it's a you know is he used to doing that? But incidentally, he was he has been brilliant this year and um, was absolutely brilliant on Gillan. Um, and, you know, done that when he was on his own. He was isolated. He solved that problem himself, you know, rather than waiting for backup and, and that. And just going back to to, to Paddy's point, um, and I think he's explained it really well here. Look, the game is going to run. And then, you know, how do people react to things? Um, and I'm just making the point 
that I think if Tip can handle going toe-to-toe with Kilkenny and can handle that part of the game, they probably have more options in terms of moving people around the place to create a different way of playing. And they certainly have an advantage uh, in doing that. Whereas a number of years ago, you could have said, you know, Richie Hogan would have given that, um, you know, option to Kilkenny. He could go out to field, he could come out, as he did to belong to Kilkenny actually against Galway, come in as a third midfielder and, and did cause some problems. But he may not have the quickness and athleticism anymore to be able to play that in an All-Ireland final. I think Tip have those options in the forwards. You could play any of those forwards anywhere, provided, of course, that they do the toe-to-toe hurling and the tackling and all of that. And if they do, I just think there's a little bit of an advantage here for Tip if the game pans out like that. And yeah, exactly. And uh, Kilkenny, interestingly enough, Tipperary are much more experienced, Paddy. The Kilkenny are going to have Adrian Mullen, Hugh Lawler, Connor Brown, John Donnelly, Paddy Deegan, maybe Richie Lahey, depending. Buckley could get his, get his place, but they could have six players who have never played in an All Ireland final, which it, it's usually the other way around when it comes to Kilkenny playing someone. It is. Um, I don't see it as a huge disadvantage for them, really, because number one, I think all those players have shown very, very good character and confidence. Some over the last couple of years and then others this year um, with Mullen and, and Hugh Lawler, I think they've both been exceptional. And then they did play the All-Ireland Champions and the Throne on the last day, which, you know, that could have been an All-Ireland final in itself. So True. I don't see it as an absolutely massive one. And then on the other side, you could say, well, we've gained experience now, so we've nothing to lose. This is our first match. These tip lads maybe are, are looking to hang on for another medal. So that could be their mentality with it. So I don't see it as a massive disadvantage. And, you know, I think, I know it's a traditional thing, but I don't think they want your tip and tip on fear them and I don't think it's, I don't even think that's going to be in their mind they'll just be so focused on what they're going to be doing Right okay Cheddar you go along no, with I that I fully agree with that um, um, absolutely agree with that Paddy um, I think when you look at all of the players in Kilkenny and, and tip um, look they're just fantastic players in their position and they are going to deliver everybody's going to deliver here on Sunday I'd be very very surprised if somebody just doesn't deliver and if you just look at Adrian Mullen I think you mentioned him earlier on you know look what he's done in the club of All-Ireland and what he has done since at, at county level you know he'd be tipping along there and you might think God, he, you know, he hasn't got on the ball that much and then out of nothing he scores three points some of it on the back foot like some some incredible stuff is what he, what he has done here so these are all top quality players and you know look, look there's still a, a fair core of players in that that team that have won all Ireland medals and have been part of the great team, um, you know. So, and I think the other point is really important is what Paddy has said here. This is not um, a new team coming into an All Ireland, you know, fearing the occasion, fearing playing a team with thirty or forty All Irelands and so on, and so on. You know, Tip will always think to have the edge over Kilkenny and vice versa. So, there, you know, there's no real psychological advantage or edge. There's just one interesting thing, Paddy. Um, you know, it would be interesting if there was a bolter here, you know, similar to, I don't know, Walter Walsh a couple of years ago in an All-Ireland. Like, yeah. do, you know, do both teams have somebody here that can grab the game with the scruff of the neck, come in, off, come in off the sideline, change things completely around and all your plans then go straight down the river? Yeah, I don't know where they start. The only issue I see with that is I think nearly both teams are delighted to be playing as well as they have, we'll say. I think Kilkenny have been looking for this mix for the last couple of years and I see them you know, they're after getting the smelling sauce and they're after waking up into this uh, this style they're playing and there hasn't too many positions changed or like, okay, only through necessity, maybe Paraguay's went back on their back, but I think they're after finding what they're looking for for the last couple of years, so I think, and they're after beating the All-Ireland champions and I would think, it's just what I think is that Cody would say to himself, well, we have this, we're, the train is on the tracks and we want to keep it going, see can we blow past Tipperary here now and I would see that, but, and with Tip. I think Sheedy has massive trust in who he has. And again, the last day, the subs paid massive dividends. And I think that he says, well, 
look at they now have the confidence to come on, but I'm not sure would I would I would I start any of them when the skin and hair is flying early on. I'm not sure is there anyone that say yeah we're going to throw that lad in. Uh, Bear maybe you said maybe they'll just have a, a cornerback playing or James Barry playing. That's the only thing I would see. I don't see any of the fours being put in there because they're all extremely young, uh, but they're they're certainly talented if they come on and the game is opened up and Tipperary are putting the ball through the hands in the second half. Yeah, well, we need a replay for this rabbit to be pulled out of a hat header, don't we? Isn't that Cody's uh, Cody style and Davy Fitz's style? We've got the Walter yeah, and, 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 and the I suppose when you look back at Walter, like you know, Walter was a different player. He was six foot five. He's a massive man. He's still um, six foot five. He's still six foot five, <laughs> and he's still a brilliant player. Yeah. Um, no, I, I suppose when you're looking at that, you do need somebody with something different to you know really give the other team something to think about here. And you know, when you look at a lot of the replacements here, and it will be important um, on Sunday in terms of people coming on the field and that. But there, are, you're probably replacing like with like so you know you're unlikely as Paddy has said to see somebody start off the game that's going to make a big difference to the game yeah great stuff lads we'll be back with Paddy Power Predictions what's tactics I mean you've got to make decisions and you've got to decide what you're going to do and at the end of the day you hand it over to the players and the players play you know the game was fast, was furious, was, it had everything really, you know, and you, you, you don't have too much influence on what's happening. What happened last year, it goes out the window or the year before or whenever it was. Tipperary, don't go away. They are, they are as they are. And the yeah. game takes on, can very, very often into a life of its own. Okay, so Paddy Power predictions, I call this, but it's just one prediction here, lads. That's it. Kilkenny, according to Paddy Power, outsiders 11 to 8, Tipperary are 5 to 6. The draw is 8 to 1. I'll repeat, the draw is 8 to 1. <laughs> this has never happened before. And then there's a handicap of minus 1, which you wouldn't even be entertaining. Well, I wouldn't, anyways, um, in a game like this. Cheddar, I'll go to you first. Um, look, I'm an Enstrom man. My heart is with Kilkenny. Um, so I hope they win. Um, but there's. Um, Look, if Tip can, as I said earlier on, bring fight to the fight and go toe-to-toe with Kilkenny in that intense period in the game and still hold their game plan, I just think they have too much absence. Um, so the heart might say Kilkenny, but the head might say um, uh, Tipperary. Right, OK. That's interesting. Leinster hurling is a bit like Ulster football. They all back each other up. I'm, I'm Munster doesn't have that same loyalty down there, Paddy, do you? I'm sure you wouldn't be back in Cork if they were in the other final. No, no, we're, uh, we're, we're well against each other. But uh, Cork aren't too bad, actually. We usually get on well enough with them. We're very small hit. So <laughs> we have to deal with that, but we, we get over it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so who are you going I, I for? Think, yeah, but I think, I think Leinster have Stock, Stockholm Syndrome, though. They're, they're so used to, to kill Kenny, baiting him around the place that they're, they've fallen in love with him. Hold on, listen or no, Paddy? We, we were so used to him baiting you around the place as well. <laughs> That's all right. We won a few, we're not so bad. I, I don't, um, I don't, no, go on, go on, Paddy. Sorry about that, Cheddar. No, I know that. <laughs> we got on well for an hour. I do. I got on well. I do. I should have brought up this Munster Leinster thing earlier in the show and got a real, uh, a real go. I do like. I do like the Stockholm Syl- syndrome one, and I will be using it in the future, Paddy. So I'll, I'll give you credit for that. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, yeah, they've, been, they've been beaten into submission, and now they love Kilkenny. <laughs> they love Kilkenny. They can't go against them anymore. No, look, it's all a bit of crack anyway. But to be fair, look, I, I, I hope I'm being objective. I, I think Tip. Will win. Um, I think they could win by maybe three points, something around that region. I, 
and like I backed Limerick for the for the Munster final, not backed them, but I thought they'd win and they did. So I'm not just going on my heart. I don't think. I do think if Tipperary, as I said, if they blink for one second, this match is over. Uh, Kilkenny will put five ten minutes sport on him and they won't be able to come back. Well, I think Sheedy has a track record in 09 and 10 of, as the game came to the knockout stages, the, the performances and intensity went up a step every time. I do think it actually needs to come up because the first half against Wexford wasn't aggressive enough, it wasn't intense enough. I think he'll, he'll make that step up. He's great to get that fire going, that emotion. I think that, you know it'll be too fair dogs hitting each other on Sunday but I think Tip will be able to stand up to it and as Cheddar said I think they have more options um, you know to get the scores as the game goes on Here's a quick one Cheddar before we finish up when Tip beat Kilkenny in the two finals they've beaten them well is it fair to say if, if Tip beat Kilkenny they could, they could beat them by maybe seven or eight whereas if it was a close game you might sh- shade towards Kilkenny would that be fair based on the other finals? No, look there may be something in that um, because look you could flip this on the other side and you could say that look Kilkenny um, you know they will dog this out, and you know let's say fifty minutes in, sixty minutes in, um, that that there you know there's nothing in it, um, and you know if the game breaks out then and just tip lose their way, and you know one thing that that you will notice from that straight away if tip forward stop tackling and stop breaking down the ball coming out of coming out of their forward line at that or coming out of the Kenny back line at that stage, you know Kenny are going to win the game here. Um, so look, it can flip either way, but we look we're depending on some things here. We're depending on that tipper area are going to be able to go to it here in the physical stakes and be able to sustain that ride through and then that their their um, you know hurling ability and particularly their forward forwards ability will see them home but look you could argue the other way as well incidentally there's one other little statistic Paddy correct me if I'm wrong but is this the first time that finalists in senior and in minor are not their provincial finalists I think that's the case Right, okay. I think somebody said that. No, I won't correct you now, but uh, I think I heard that said uh, previously in last week or two. Right, yeah. that's an interesting yeah. one. Kilkenny Galway, obviously, in the minor. We haven't mm. uh, given them any mention, but look, it's back to Kilkenny Tip and the senior, and Kilkenny have a minor, and we're back to the dominance again. So let's, we'll, we'll finish it on a... On a, on a well, g- one thing there, Willie, sorry, not to, one thing about the tight match, I was just thinking during the week, psychologically, and not to run on the show all day, but I think this Tip team are actually looking... Even if a tight game, I think they're say, they know that they've won two big wins against Kilkenny. I would, I, I have it in my head, and I'm sure they have it in their head, that they haven't won a tight one against Kilkenny. Right. They won a tight game the last day. I would say there could be something that's on their mind as well and maybe going into the match. So I wouldn't be surprised even if it was tight if Tip pulled it. That could be something Sheedy's focusing on all week and you know, to, to, to make sure that they're up for that fight when it comes down to it. Mm, that's, yeah. that's, that, that would be my thinking, that they're looking at that. The, the experienced players, they right, we won by ten pints and ten pints or whatever it was. Let's let's get into the trenches and let's <laughs> prove ourselves because that's why that that has been the commentary and it's fair commentary. Mm. Yeah, um, sorry. Just before we go, Willie, there's one final point I'd like to make. Um, I just uh, referenced the 1971 All Ireland there. Uh, Fan Larkin was uh, was the Kenny Corner back that day. Had a little bit of a setback there a week or two ago. So um, I just like to wish him a quick return to health. Right, Cheddar. That's a nice way to end the show. We'll be back with Damien from Paddy Power. Damien, how's it going? Not too bad, Colin. How are you? Good, good. Um, we're excited about this All Ireland final. Very excited, yeah. It's hard to come down on one side of this one. It is, yeah, and our betting is very close together. Obviously, Tipper just fouls at 5-6, to six, Kilkenny at 11-8, and the draw at 8-1. Draws always very popular in the All-Ireland Hurling final, given the history over, I suppose, the last 10 years we've had a lot of them. So, 
we usually take a good few bets on the draw the week of the hurling final. Right, okay. So what's my bet here to start off with? Uh, your bet is Tipperary to win and Seamus Callanan to score a goal. Um, and we're going 8-5 to five out to 7-4. And going by this year, it looks like it has a good chance. Um, he scored a goal in every game so far this year. So like that's obviously a serious record. Um, he scored the first goal in five of the seven games. Uh, we're we're um, enhancing first goal score. Seamus Callanan, 4-1 out to 92. So I'd expect that to be extremely popular this week as well. With just the record he has this year, you can see people are really latching on and they've been right so far. And I suppose the way Kilkenny will most likely line up, he's going to get some space, right? Yeah, he will. Um, I, so, yeah, you could, Parig Walsh might kind of drop back in, in front of him a bit, but Callan, like the last All-Iron final three years ago, he did serious damage to Kilkenny, scored nine points from play. Yeah. So I think Kilkenny will obviously try to have a plan for him, but... He can plan, but he, at the end of the day, his record is so good. And if he gets the ball, I think there's very little you can do to stop him. Definitely is. What else? Any other specials here? Uh, yeah, on the other side, we've uh, Kilkenny halftime, full time, 72 out of 4 to 1. I think if Kilkenny are to win, like against Limerick, they got a good start, and they'll probably be looking to get a good start here as well. Um, TJ Reid and Jason Ford both score a goal, 17 to 2 out to 11 to 1. Uh, obviously both take the penalties for for either side and that there could be penalties in this match it does seem like a game where uh, Colin Fenley in particular for Kilkenny is very good to get a penalty just kind of head Direct, down and yeah. straight for goal and gets fouled uh, just some other kind of specials we have any Ballyhale player to get man in the match so you have TJ Colin Fenley Mullen and Joey Holden is at 3-1 to one. And any mare to get man in the match for Tipperary is eleven to two. So. Okay, I like that one. That's yeah. a, t- you'd be doing well to bet that it will come outside any of those players, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what about man of the match? That's always a big one yeah, in the All Ireland final. Man of the match for, for the All Ireland final is obviously a big market. Uh, TJ is our eleven to two favorite. Uh, Seamus Canlan is thirteen to two. So the first two in the market that you'd expect. Then at tens we've Noel McGrath and Porrig Walsh. 14s, Jason Ford, uh, Bubbles, Dwyer, and Ronan and Parig Mare. And then at 16s, Adrian Mullen, Colin Fenley, Walter Walsh, Brendan Mare, and John McGrath. So kind right. of a good spread there. Bubbles is a good bet there at 14 to yeah, 1, right? So he, he didn't play great against Wexford, but that was a different type yeah, of game. He, yeah, I think I think he always does play well against, um, against Kilkenny. And he's actually, I had picked him out myself at 14s as well. And at 12s for a goal. I think like earlier in the year he was playing in the half forward line a good bit. I think on Sunday he's <coughs> more likely to be in the full forward line. I don't think they'll really want him out in the half forward line. And in there, I think he's very dangerous and he has a good record against Kilkenny yeah, as well. Yeah, he's 14 to 1. I think that's a, a great uh, price altogether. So, what about player of the year then? Have you any um, prices on that? Because let's be honest, performance in the All Ireland final pretty much dictates that, it right? It does, yeah. Well, obviously, you'd. At at this stage, it looks like we have two front runners from either side. TJ is five to six to win it, and Callanan uh, is seven to two, or seven to four. And then our next in the betting is at seven to one is Noel McGrath. So it's obviously a big gap there. I think you'd expect, obviously, from those odds, if Kilkenny win, TJ wins it, and if Tipperary win, Callanan wins it. Particularly if he scores a goal, like if he scored a goal in every match in the championship, and Tipperary win the All Ireland, yeah. I think it'd be very hard not to give him a fair deal. Yeah, I think if Tipperary win the All Ireland, unless Noel McGrath shoots the lights out, yeah. Callanan will win yeah, it this it, time. It, it looks like we've clear front runners really here. I think obviously TJ for Kilkenny is very hard. Even if Parig Walsh, who has been brilliant this year, even if he was to win men the match, I still don't think he'd. 
I still think TJ would probably be ahead of him for player of the year. Yeah, so Mullen has young player of the year sewn up. Any competition for him there? Not really with Not Tipperary. Really, no. <laughs> yeah, all the Tipperary's young lads are really subs coming on. Rory um, O'Connor. Yeah, Rory O'Connor and Kyle Hayes are probably the next two, but Adrian Mullen is 1-10, to 10, so like, right. unless something goes very badly wrong in the final, I think we can say he has that. Exactly, so who are you tipping? You're a tip man, so what do, we, uh, what, what, yeah, what do you I'm, think? I'm a tip man, and I'm going to, I'm going to tip tip, because they won't let me home if I don't, but anyway. <laughs> uh, no, I think tip, I think tip just have a little bit more than Kilkenny. I think like, I, I think they just have a bit more, I think the tip full forward line, can score on that Kilkenny full back line. I think the Kilkenny full back line is maybe a little bit weak. And when you have the likes of Callanan and Bubbles in there, I think they can really put up a score. Uh, one bet I have picked out is tip minus six is three to one. Just tip, when they have beaten Kilkenny recently in All-Ireland Finals, they've tended to do it quite easily. And I think if they do get on top of Kilkenny, they can really put up a score. So, yeah, I think if it's a close game, it's obviously... 50-50 and you'd give Kilkenny a serious chance but I just think there is a chance that Tip are able to pull away in the second half um, obviously yeah I said already Bubbles 12-1 first goal scorer 14's man the match I think that's a good bet and just if someone kind of wants an enhanced price you're looking at the match prices they look a bit short uh, a good market to look at I think is uh, Tipperary to win and both teams score a goal is 6-4 and Kilkenny to win and both teams score a goal is 9-4 and I just think with the type of game it'll be, I think both teams will score a goal. So you're just getting that little bit on, of an enhance on your match price then. Right, OK, to give you a little bit more value. Yeah. That makes sense. Right, well, listen, best of luck anyways. Uh, hopefully. I hope Brian Cody wasn't listening to this <laughs> when you're talking about minus sixes. He'll be pinning it up in the dressing room wall. Great stuff, Damien. Thanks a lot. Um, right, thanks, Tom. We'll be back. Well, I suppose we'll be back tomorrow night. We're in Liberty Hall for the live show. So after that, then, we'll be back on Monday for a review show. I'm sure I'll go to the Winners Hotel and we'll bring you a show on Monday. But first, before that, on Thursday night, we're in Liberty Hall, um, half past seven. So we'll see you there. Good luck. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour hurling ACA. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I should go going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods. All at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 